<coughs> Podcast Network Asia. This episode may include topics, references, or discussions around sexual assault, domestic violence, stalking, physical violence, or subject matters that may be disturbing to some of our listeners. We do acknowledge that this content may be difficult. We also encourage you to care for your safety and well-being. Do you feel like murdering a long list of movies and TV shows in one go? We've got you. It's easy to binge watch and have movie marathons with the help of Globe Prepaid's Go Plus 99 with Go Watch. With a total of 16 GB of data, you can now have 8 GB for all sites you need and 8 GB for your continuous binge watching routine for different apps like YouTube, Netflix, View, I Want TFC, HBO Go, NBA, WeTV, and Go Movies. Not just that, you also get unlimited text to all networks valid for seven days. To register, all you need to do is grab your phones, download the new Globe One or Gcash app, or dial asterisk 143 hash on your mobile phones to quickly register. Have a killer time watching movies and TV series with Globe Prepaid's Go Plus 99 with Go Watch. to part two of a special Halloween themed season of the last 24 hours, where we feature some of your favorite scary movies inspired by the scariest true crime stories. For this episode, we continue our exploration into the movie, The Silence of the Lambs. This time, however, we move our attention to Gary Michael Heidnick, the rapist and murderer that inspired the other monster in the movie, the character of Buffalo Bill. Our Billy wasn't born a criminal, Clarice. He was made one through years of systematic abuse. Billy hates his own identity, you see, and he thinks that makes him a transsexual. But his pathology is a thousand times more savage and more terrifying. In the movie, the search for Buffalo Bill is the catalyst that led to the fateful meeting between Clarice Starling and Hannibal Lecter, played to chilling effect by character actor Ted Levine. Buffalo Bill would skin his victims and then dump their bodies into a different river, which then destroys any evidence. He would approach a victim by pretending to be injured, ask for help, and then knock them out in a surprise attack. This is straight out of Ted Bundy's M.O. The notorious serial killer famously lured some of his victims into his car by pretending to have a fractured arm and asking for help. In the movie, Buffalo Bill lured his victim into his car by pretending to have an arm injury while trying to move a chair. Personally, this is one of the scariest scenes in the movie for me. To see how easy it is for a terrifying killer to use a person's kindness against them did serious damage to my already shaky trust issues. The nod to real-life serial killer Ted Bundy is one of many that make up Buffalo Bill's sick M.O. How he kept his victims is influenced by a little less known psychopath, Gary Heidnick. After kidnapping the senator's daughter, 
Buffalo Bill dumps her into a deep well in the basement of his house where he's kept his other victims. Inside this dark, damp, and blood-smeared hellhole, he starves the women, but keeps their skin soft and supple by forcing them to rub lotion on their skin throughout the duration of their terrifying captivity. After which, he kills them so he can use their skin for a suit he's creating to transform into his idea of a perfect woman. It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. <gasps> Mr. My Family will pay cash. Whatever ransom you're asking for, they'll pay it. <laughs> it rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> yes, you will, precious. You will get the hose. Gary Heidnick is not known for skinning victims to create a human skin suit. In Philadelphia, where his twisted crimes took place, he is known for creating what's known as the House of Horrors, considered in the state as one of its most heinous true crime incidents. On March 24, 1987, Philadelphia police got an open house tour of Heidnick's horror house when a 911 call made by one of his victims tipped them off about his evil handiwork on 3520 North Marshall Street. The overpowering stench of death and suffering was only the beginning when Heidnick finally opened his door to the police. After he was apprehended, the victim who reported him directed the police to his basement where they would find three shackled African-American women in a pit. The mutilated remains of two other women would be found in his kitchen. A victim's forearm was found in the freezer Charred human bones were found in the oven, along with numerous other body parts, some neatly wrapped like butcher's cuts of meat. At his trial, 25-year-old Josefina Rivera, a sex worker and the victim who reported the horrific incidents, testified that she met Heidnick as a client on Thanksgiving in 1986. He took her to his house where after they had sex, he choked her until she passed out. When she regained consciousness, she was chained in a pit he had dug in his basement. He told her that he wanted to grow his family and he was going to do this by kidnapping 10 women for his harem. By January 1987, Heidnick had grabbed four other women, 24-year-old Sandra Lindsay, 19-year-old Lisa Thomas, 23-year-old Deborah Dudley, and 18-year-old Jacqueline Askins. He kept them all in his basement while raping and torturing them repeatedly. In one horrific instance, he shoved screwdrivers into their ears to prevent them from hearing when he'd leave the house. 52 days into her captivity, Josefina Rivera had managed to gain Heidnick's trust. She did this by reluctantly participating in some of his sick torture sessions, helping him get rid of bodies and going out with him to find and grab the next victim. One day, after Gary was displeased with one of the girls in the hole, he had Josefina hold a live electric extension to one of the girl's chains as he filled the hole with more water. The girl died. According to Josefina, Heidnick made her write a letter that stated her involvement in the girl's death, stating, Gary Heidnick and Josefina Rivera electrocuted Deborah Dudley in the basement of 3520 North Marshall Street. And then he signs it, and I signed it. He said now he could trust me because he had this letter. It was this trust that Josefina used her advantage when Heidnick agreed to let her go on the pretense that she wanted to see her children. She used the opportunity instead 
to call the police. If you're anything like me, watching vlogs, movies, and TV shows are perfect ways of ending a long day. That's why I'm so glad I've got Globe Prepaid's Go Plus 99 with Go Watch promo. Check this out. With a total of 16 GB of data, you can now have 8 GB for all the sites you need and 8 GB for your favorite video streaming apps like YouTube, Netflix, View, I Want TFC, HBO Go, NBA, WeTV, and Go Movies. Not just that, you also get unlimited text to all networks valid for seven days. All you need to do is download the new Globe One or Gcash app or dial asterisk 143 hash on your mobile phones. So what are you waiting for? End your day right. End it with Globe Prepaid's Go Plus 99 with Go Watch promo. Happy Go Watch and chill, everybody. At his trial on April 23, 1987, Gary Heidi claimed that the women were already living in the house when he bought it insisting that he had nothing to do with their capture. His defense also brought in doctors and psychiatrists to testify that Heidnik was insane and passed the blame instead to Josefina Rivera for the deaths of the two other women in the basement. The insanity defense, however, would not hold water when it was discovered that Heidnik had amassed considerable wealth as the founder and the bishop for life of the United Church of the Ministers of God. As the leader of his congregation, he had amassed as much as 500,000 US dollars from church donations and owned three cars, one of which is a Rolls Royce. His financial advisor described him as a shrewd investor. It would be insane to believe his flimsy excuses. Shockingly, Heidnik would hold Sunday services inside his house of horrors, singing Christian hymns and citing Bible verses above the shackled suffering women underneath the floorboards is nothing short of diabolical and it's not the first time he's fooled people before. In 1983, before the creation of his House of Horrors, Heidnik began corresponding with Betty Disto in the Philippines after meeting her via a matrimonial service agency. Two years later, she would immigrate to the US and marry Heidnik, completely unaware that she's just married a convicted rapist and monster. I can imagine how on paper Gary Heidnik would seem like a good catch. Heidnik was an ex-army medic and had worked as a nurse for a time, so that ticks the stable income box. He's a preacher of a Christian church he's founded, which ticks the religious man of God box. It won't be surprising to think that Betty must have felt like she's hit the husband jackpot. In 1983, way before Facebook, FaceTime or Zoom, Betty Disto only knew what Gary Heidnik wrote about himself through his letters. In the two years they corresponded, he wouldn't have mentioned to his future bride that in 1978, he kidnapped his then-girlfriend's sister, a disabled woman, and kept her captive in his house for 10 days. The police would find her shackled in Heidnik's basement, where he repeatedly tortured, raped, and sodomized her. The incident went to trial in November of 1978, and Heidnik was found guilty and sentenced to three to seven years in prison. However, the original sentence was somehow overturned on appeal, and he only served 
three years of his sentence in a mental institution, after which he was released under the supervision of a state-sanctioned mental health program. Betty Disto would leave her country and her family in the Philippines to travel on her own and marry this man in Philadelphia in October of 1985. I imagine her full of hope for the future and maybe even love for Heidnik in those first few weeks. Tragically, it didn't take long for those feelings to disintegrate, to be replaced with shock and staggering fear. Not long after their wedding, she caught Heidnik in bed with three other women. The beatings and rapes soon followed. Heidnik would also force her to watch while he had sex with multiple partners. Betty suffered three months of this torture before she managed to leave him with the help of the Filipino community in Philadelphia. Heidnik was arrested and charged with assault, indecent assault, spousal rape, and involuntary deviant sexual intercourse, but the charges would be dismissed after Betty failed to appear for the preliminary hearing. Not much more would be heard of Betty until 1987, when she requested child support payment from Heidnik's estate, revealing that she had borne him a son in September 1986. I couldn't find any further information on why Betty failed to show up at the hearing that could have prevented Heidnik from escalating his deviant behavior, or on Betty Distel herself. Online, there's only a black and white photo of an attractive woman the details of her terrifying ordeal with a twisted psychopath hidden behind big, dark sunglasses. So you've listened to the real-life characters and incidents that inspired the Silence of the Lambs. And now you're curious to find out if the Philippines has its own Hannibal Lecter or Buffalo Bill. But are you prepared to lose your appetite? The Philippines is no stranger to incidents of cannibalism. But because most cases occur in far-flung rural areas, we tend to look at these incidents as isolated and rare, confined to superstitious communities where they still believe in the existence of aswangs and spirits in the trees. But it's hard not to take notice of 21-year-old Lloyd Bagtong from Misamis Oriental. Sure, he may not have the sophistication of Hannibal Lecter, but how he committed his gruesome crime is reminiscent of Lecter's culinary predilections. So much so that even Mindanao publication Gold Star Daily dubbed him as a real-life Hannibal Lecter. It happened in December 2019 when, according to reports, Bagtong was arrested at home in relation to a beheading. The victim, a local woman who was rumored to be mentally ill, was found half-naked and sprawled on the ground by villagers in Punta Santiago in Talisayan. Investigators reported that apart from the beheading, the woman had also been stabbed in the back and her left breast slashed off. Witnesses placed Bagtong and the victim walking together but could not confirm the nature of their relationship. Additionally, another witness stated that he saw Bagtong run away from the area where the body was found with a scythe tucked in his waist. The police didn't have to wait too long to find out exactly what happened. While in custody, Bagtong confessed, and his statement was stomach-turning. Gold Star Daily reported that Bagtong, who was reportedly drunk when the incident happened, attacked the woman after she spoke to him in English. 
According to the Talisayan police chief, Bagtong became annoyed when the victim spoke to him in English, after which he clobbered the woman to death with a steel bar, beheaded her with the use of a scythe, and brought her head home. Then, Bagtong told the investigators that he ate the woman's brains first, using it as a rice topping because, quote, he had no food at home. When the cops asked him how the brain tasted, Bagtong replied, it tasted bland. Nevertheless, it didn't stop him from eating the rest of his victim, which included the face, eyes, nose, and ears, adding that some parts he cooked while other parts he ate raw. Bagtong was charged with murder, but police stated that they will hire psychiatrists to determine his actual mental state. However, on December 6, 2019, police escorting Bagtong from inquest proceedings shot and killed him after they claimed he reached for their guns. Meanwhile, the victim was never identified. You've just listened to part two of a Halloween-themed season of the last 24 hours where we explore horror movies based on true crime. We just finished our look into Silence of the Lambs and the real-life doctor who inspired Hannibal Lecter. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>